Welcome to another video based on the studies we're doing in the book of Romans. Today, we're coming out of chapter 5 into chapter 6. And I'm going to say to you, this is one of the most important transitions in the book of Romans. Out of chapter 5 and into chapter 6. In chapter 6, we will have occasion from the text to consider the power God imparts to us through Christ to walk in newness of life with our personal responsibility to engage in that walk. What we're able to do and must do and can do in our lives after baptism. And all of that is founded on the grace of of God. Let me read now a lengthy reading. Some of it may seem to be complex, but stay with us. Just keep reading and keep listening. Romans 5 from verse 12 down through chapter 6 and verse 4. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was the type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift, following many trespasses, brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many were made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Keep reading into chapter 6, please. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin, that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus 
were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That's Romans 5, 12, reading into chapter 6 and verse 4. Now, as I said, some of this reads in sort of a complex format. Maybe I can help break it down for us. Two men, every Bible student will recognize, but we connect these two men with two opposite impacts on the human race. Through Adam, death came into the human race. It started with him, and death continued thereafter because everybody after Adam sinned. Through Christ, God makes it possible for that death sentence to be reversed. <clears throat> we all die, but for the faithful in Christ, death has lost its sting. We are raised to victory, and God takes us into his presence. So the main idea here is what started with Adam is reversed by Christ, and Christians are the recipients of that free gift. Now, there is nothing here that says we sin because Adam sinned. We die physically because of Adam's sin, but sin is not imposed on us through genetics or inheritance. Sin is chosen, but the punishment can be mitigated by those who respond to Jesus Christ. It's very important for every Bible student to see how the last part of Romans 5 connects into chapter 6. Sometimes this is called a segue, a transition in an important flow of thought. Here's what I'm talking about. In chapter 5, the damage we see through Adam, Christ provides the remedy. You remember we pointed out the first man and the second man. Well, that point leads to an affirmation by Paul of God's abundant grace. Verse 17, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through the one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So God's grace is a fullness of remedy, not a remedy on some minimal level. It is an abundance of grace. That's the last part of chapter 5. Now, this is Paul's conclusion. Grace is abundant. Everything he has said about sin and about justification by faith in Christ comes to this conclusion, grace is abundant. Grace just awaits man's response. Now, as Paul praises God for his abundant grace that makes it possible through Christ for us to be saved, the apostle is aware 
of the popular inclination to play a grace card with such boldness that sin is minimized. I need a few minutes to be certain we all know what this is about. So I'm going to use an illustration. One of the major health issues in our society is diabetes. Some of you have personal experience or in your family you know about that. One of the modern technological solutions is an insulin pump. I know a few people who use those. When these pumps are installed in a diabetic patient, a warning is issued by the doctor. Don't misuse the remedy. Don't look at a big delicious meal with all the stuff you shouldn't be eating and reach down and crank up the insulin pump to compensate and then just eat all of that food that looks so good. That's a misuse of the pump and it can create long-term uh, long damage. You have a gift in that pump, don't misuse it. That may help us understand the misguided and irreverent reliance on grace. The thinking goes something like this. Grace is abundant. Paul has said that. Verse 20 says, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. If there is this superabundance of grace, if all sin can be forgiven by the grace of God, as the popular reasoning might go, why not just continue in sin? Why not take the view that since there is a remedy that is abundant, just don't worry about sin. Just enjoy it. God's grace will cover it. That's dead wrong. And it's wrong for so many reasons. One, God's grace doesn't automatically cover all sin. <coughs> God's grace is effective to forgive the believing penitent responders. Number two, there is long-term damage when we minimize sin. The longer we ignore it, the more destructive sin is against the sinner. So we must not misrepresent or twist the grace of God into permission to sin. The latter part of chapter 5 argues for and concludes that grace is abundant. But then in chapter 6, there is this warning. Any theory, any doctrine, any thinking that takes the edge off of sin or that affords permission to sin cannot be justified by any passage in the Bible at all. Sin is offensive to God. It should be offensive to every one of us. There is no excuse. There is a remedy, but the remedy must not be turned into an excuse. The remedy doesn't mean you continue with the problem simply because a gracious remedy is available. That's the transition out of chapter 5 into Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Paul is pressing his readers to think and draw a right conclusion. Shall we say that grace permits us to sin? No. 
Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. <coughs> Mark Roberts in his book about Romans states the matter this way. Paul knew someone might conclude if doing right makes no difference since we're all sinners and we have grace. If God forgives sin by grace, maybe I should keep sinning so there'll be more grace. God forbid. Paul is anticipating this misunderstanding of his teaching. To take something good and loving about God and turn that into some sort of implied permission to sin with immunity is wrong. Paul says, God forbid. Grace should motivate us away from sin, not closer to sin. When I come back, I'll talk about verses 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. When Paul uses this language, do you not know? It indicates that Paul wants us to know something that's very important. You should know this. It means you need to know this. If you were baptized into Christ Jesus, you were baptized into the benefits of his death. And that means a new life without the curse or burden of sin. For someone who has been baptized into Christ to argue that grace permits sin goes against the very act of baptism. Baptism is our instructed response to God's grace. Baptism is into the death of Christ and is designed to bring to us fellowship with God and out of fellowship with sin to arise to walk in a new life. Baptism takes us out of sin into fellowship with God because of the death of Christ and into a new life. Romans 5, 18 into Romans 6, 4, a transition from the affirmation of the abundance of grace into the caution about misusing grace, thinking it is permission to sin. I have some quick wrap-ups. Everything about God is good, and all of that divine reality about who God is should move us closer to Him, but never closer to sin. There is nothing about God that should cause us to relax about continuing in sin. <clears throat> Our past sin can be forgiven, if we become believing, obedient, penitent people. But there is nothing about God that argues 
for continuing sin or going back into sin that's been forgiven. This passage teaches, like so many others, the necessity of baptism. When Paul speaks of Christians, he says, those who have been baptized into Christ. So many in our religious world who say so many good things and do so many good things just mark baptism off. Influenced by <clears throat> old religious error and denominational tradition, baptism just doesn't have a place of necessity in popular religious thought. It does in the New Testament. Christians are those who have been baptized. New life in Christ for those who hear, believe, and obey the gospel. Baptism is the beginning, not the end. Nobody can argue this way. Well, I've been baptized. I'm glad that's over. No, you're just getting started. Baptism brings us to the beginning place of a new and joyous life with God that will end in heaven. I hope those who are listening and watching to this video have been baptized into Christ and are now walking in newness of life. I'm Warren Berkeley. These videos are brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ.